you stand up and let's sing together. Great is the Lord.
with confession that often so we, we get so callous and used to you, who we think you are. But Father, as we begin this new year, as we begin this new church year, um, let us also submit ourselves anew and ask that you would, again this year, grant us a brand new relationship with you. Help us to know you like never before, to serve you like never before. And Father, may we grow in you and be useful to you and be fruitful for your glory like never before. Father, we are grateful, grateful for your faithfulness, your goodness. And Father, we just ask that you would meet us in this place. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Turn to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. That's where we'll be tonight when we get into God's Word. But a few things that I wanted to let you know about church-wise. Um, I want you to continue praying for Matt Robertson, uh, who has been Brenda's son-in-law. Um, he has had a lot of rough days and does not look good for him. So unless the Lord does a miracle, um, he will be going to meet his Savior much sooner than any of us would like. So please pray for Matt and his wife Amanda and their family. They have three children. Um, pray for Gretchen and Carol Booker. Um, many of you know sweet Gretchen. She, uh, all right, you got to imagine we're in the sanctuary. For you guys, she's over here. On your right, she's in the wheelchair. You noticed how as soon as I said where she was, you're like, oh, I know what he's talking about. It's because we're creatures of habit, right? Um, but she sits in the wheelchair on that your right side, and uh, she worships and just loves her Jesus. Um, but Gretchen is in CCU at Oconee, and I talked to Miss Carol today, and she said, I don't know that she's going to make it. And so you'd be praying for God to be merciful. And what that means for God to be merciful, I don't understand what that means. And so whether it's merciful for healing, we say yes and amen. And whether it's merciful for taking her home to be with Christ, that's yes and amen. Uh, and we let the Lord decide that. He's wise, uh, much wiser than we are. So be praying for those. Um, lots of other folks in our church are hurting. Uh, we've got some surgeries upcoming. Miss Cindy uh, has a procedure, big surgery, on January the 30th. And so if you'd be praying for her, and if you'd like to know more about that, you can just pull her aside and ask questions, and I'm sure she'd be glad to share. But also, um, Andy Perry has surgery next Tuesday on his, uh, uh, he's having prostate removed. Um, so be praying for, for him. So lots of things going on. Also, um, we would love for you to be praying for Awana. It started tonight. Not everybody who signed up came tonight, uh, but we still have uh, a gym full of people down yonder. And, uh, and so we're excited about that. And new 
cars and families that we get to interact with, and, and we're looking forward to that. So be praying. Um, and this is what we've been saying this whole time. Um, it's, Awana is just a program, but here's what it does, is it gets children in contact with the living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword word of God. And it doesn't come back void. And that's what we're doing uh, on Wednesday nights for fifth grade and down. All right? Uh, so good, good things. So um, as we come to this moment, I would just like for you to spend just a couple minutes at your tables praying for each other. Okay? Uh, so you might not be at a table with other people. So link up at a table with others and and. Um, and let's pray for, for one another, and, uh, and then we'll get into God's Word. All right? You with me? And I'll, I'll close that prayer time in just a moment. And maybe you got a big group at your table. Come find another group with not so many and, and plug in there.
Heavenly Father, we, we come to you tonight. And, and there are lots of people who have burdens, lots of burdens here tonight. Some of them are outspoken. Some of them we're all aware of. Others are inward. Others are we've not shared for some reason. But Father, the good thing is that Jesus reminds us that our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. Thank you for being a good God and a good Father. That if we ask for a stone or a loaf of bread, you're not going to give us a stone. If we ask for a fish, you're not going to give us a snake. And we praise you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that that we don't have to earn you answering our prayers. So we come to you tonight only on the blood and merit of Jesus, our Savior. And we ask for Cindy and Andy and Alan who, and, and Miss Norma, Miss Elma, these and Gretchen, with these that are struggling with things in their body, we're praying for them. Miss Pat Varner. We, we pray for these in our church family whose bodies are hurting because of the fall. That you would, by your Holy Spirit and the power of heaven and earth, you would bring healing where you want healing to happen. Father, we pray, we pray uh, for our brothers and sisters around the world tonight. We, we pray for those who are in persecution, persecuted areas, facing persecution. We pray for them, that you encourage them, that you strengthen them. Father, we pray that you would use them in the middle of persecution, that their lights would shine brightly in dark places. Father, that you would overwhelm them with your presence. For churches all around Oconee County, may a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit be poured out on them that the church might be awakened from its slumber. That, that your Holy Spirit would come in a physical, tangible way to our country and bring about a revival, a brokenness. Lord, please, please don't let religious people, sometimes like pastors and preachers and like us, put lipstick on a pig. Lord, Lord we want to see heart, hearts change. And, and we want to see you do something in our little church right here that only you can do. I'm, I'm, I'm praying for our rooms to be filled with, with the lost, with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and drug dealers. I don't care who they are. Lord, bring people, build your church, do what only you can do. I, I pray for those children in Awana tonight that you would bless them, and they would love it, and they'd be ready for next week. Father, I pray that you, through, the, through this program, that the Word of God would be planted in fertile soil, and that one day it bear fruit. 
pray these things, believing that you're powerful and that you desire more than we could ever imagine to save people. Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And as we do open your word in just a moment, Father, speak to us. Remind us of what's important. That we might reprioritize our lives and our church to live for what you say is of utmost importance. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Two quick announcements. One is, uh, don't forget, we've got a marriage class coming up in February, beginning February the 18th. Um, and it is, as, as Dan said, uh, this past Sunday, Dan and Whitney have said, if, if, if your marriage is in trouble, it's for you. If all's well in your marriage, it's for you. So I love the word that, that Dan uses pretty regularly. He says, it's not anything salacious. Is that your word? It's just a life. If life has happened, hey, this is for you. Um, so it's not just for young couples. It could be for those who have been couples a long time. So marriage course starting in the, on the 18th. If you'd like to sign up to serve or to participate, it's right there. Uh, it's on Sunday evenings. It's seven weeks long. The first six weeks will be on Sunday evening. The last week will be on a Saturday just because of Easter. Uh, we want to avoid the Easter Sunday. So you can see Dan and Whitney for more information. You can also sign up uh, on Sunday. And you can encourage people in our church uh, to take that also or to participate. So they, we need help and people to do it. All right? Uh, the second thing that I want to make you aware of is at the end of February, February 26th through the 1st, 2nd, or 3rd, somewhere around there of March, uh, we're going to take a vision trip um, to Panama, uh, and that's not Florida, okay? <laughs> Panama, the country. Um, Alan Foster, his wife Colleen, and their two children uh, live down in Panama and serve down in Panama. Uh, their, um, Alan's parents are members of our church, um, and so we're going to go down and find out how a church like ours can serve on mission uh, with God in a place like that, okay? So there are unreached, unengaged people groups right in, in their backyard that don't have much gospel witness that we can go be a part of, and we can see what God might have us to do. And so there are four spots for this first trip, uh, four spots. And I know I have two available, so if there's any that would like to go, male or female, if you'd like to go, uh, please uh, let me know. And if you just want to be praying for that trip, maybe praying, Lord, would you have me go? Uh, and you just ask the Lord and, and see what he says. All right? Um, here we go. Now, this is what we're going to do. Let me just run through Sunday, this past Sunday. This past Sunday, we kicked off our theme. Our theme is... Equipped for service, sent with purpose. Can you say that with me? You ready? Equipped for service, sent with purpose. One more time. Equipped for service, 
sent returns. And that's going to be our goal for this year, our theme for this year. Uh, and we're going to focus on equipping people here at Seneca Baptist for service and providing opportunities locally and globally to go and be sent with purpose. And so we want to do that at the Applewoods like we did last summer. We're going to find out how we can serve in communities just like that. Uh, but whether it's Good News Club or uh, Awanas, however we're in contact with lost folks is what it means to be sent with purpose. And so um, we want to do that this year. Now, as we looked at this idea of equipped for service, sent with purpose... Um, we looked at kind of priority lists, okay? And we put them in kind of three bucket areas. Do you remember? So we talked about sent with purpose, what falls in the sent, because sent right here is very important. The second is equipped for service and then a missional structure. Uh, and we put those in another uh, way is we want to keep the kingdom first, okay? If we equip, 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 and never send out and never do kingdom work, um, that does us no good. That does the kingdom no good. So like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to do. So that's why we have kingdom first. Uh, so kingdom focus, and we want to prepare the resources. You remember the sermon was 2 Kings chapter 4 about Elisha and the widow, and she had all these vessels that she was pouring the oil into these vessels, and when the vessels ran out, the oil ran out, right? And so just reminding that we want to prepare for what God wants to do, and we want to be ready for when he wants to do it, okay? And, and if God wants to do something much bigger than we can imagine, we want to give him room and space to do it, and we want to be ready as much as we can, amen? Because I believe 2024, almost said three, is going to be even better than 2023 was church-wise. And so we want to see God do big things. We had the privilege of baptizing 21. I'm praying for 42 this year. Are you with me? You want to join me in that prayer? Miss Phyllis is praying for 500. So she said to me the other day, praise the Lord. He can do it. There's nothing that God cannot do. Okay? So, um, and we talked about the priorities. So when we think about um, sending with purpose, what are those uh, priorities? Outreach. How is Seneca Baptist going to do outreach? So we're going to be planning those outreaches. We're already beginning the planning processes of what does it mean to outreach to our community in the world, but also a follow-up plan. We get a name and a telephone number or an address of somebody. How do we reach out to that person after whatever event we're doing to reach out is over? That's where we sometimes drop the ball. If I can just be honest as your pastor. That's the hard work. The event's the easy work. And so we want to do the hard work better and have a plan to do it. Um, a discipleship path. So we get a name or somebody comes in the front doors of our church for the first time. What does it mean for them to come into the church, to come into a small group, to get into the word, uh, to get into service? Like what does that process look like? So discipleship path. The second bucket is preparing resources, okay, or equipping for service. And there's a number of different things. Um, so just look at number three, children's wing. We want to prepare our children's wing, okay? So we've got a plan to paint real soon. 
our children's wing, our activity center. Uh, there's a number of things. Some of them are already in process. If you go down to the activity center right now, you'll see uh, sound remediation panels going up, but we want to paint that thing. We want to update some bathrooms. We got some work to do down there because we want to make it an incredible space because we believe, look at, look at this place. We've only got a couple tables and some extra seats um, to fill up. So we're going to need a bigger space when God brings 500. Right, Ms. Miller? We're going to need a bigger space. So uh, activity center, new classes. We need to start new Sunday school classes. So one of the ones I want you to pray for uh, 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 with me about is college and career. We've got some college age, career age people uh, inside of our church. They don't have a place to land, and we want to give them a place to land. Also, we want to find out how to reach that little college right over there on the other side of the pond. Okay? So that's what we want to figure out how to do. Um, all, not just that, singles ministry, what does that look like? Um, how do we reach singles in Seneca or Oconee County? And other new classes would be how to evangelize, uh, how to share your testimony. Those are the kinds of things that we want to institute in our church to be training and equipping our people so that when the opportunity to evangelize comes, you say, I at least know what to do. Now I just got to practice it. Uh, so those are, are some things. Christianity 101. So when these 42 people that we're going to baptize this year become new believers, what do I do now? So we want to do those new classes. Six, excellent in all, excellence in all things. We, everything we do, we want to do the best we can. All right? Um, Jesus deserves the best we can do. And seven is... Uh, this idea of the third bucket is a missional structure. And what we mean by that is a structure that is both functional and biblical, and it pushes the mission forward. And so that's what we're going to be seeking after. All right? All right, now, Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. That's all I got on the screen. All right. Verse 13, 14, and 15. This is like the shortest passage I've ever tried to do on a Wednesday night, all right? And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Verse 14, and he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Okay? I'm going to read it again, just because it was so short. He went up on the mountain, Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, says that Jesus went up on the mountain. He spent all night in prayer as he's making this decision. All night long, praying to the Lord. And then it says, And called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. What, what phrase do you see two times in that verse? Verse 13. He went up on the mountain and called to him those who he desired, and they came to him. Ma'am? Do you see that to him? Two times. Called to him, and they came to him. Verse 14. He appointed twelve whom he named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Now, here we go. There are big questions that man has been trying to answer for a long time. 
Why do I exist? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Have you ever pondered those for your life? Now, lots of people, especially in this day, are asking those specific questions. Why am I here? Why am I here? Now, from my youngest days, and just recollect back, when you think about the wisdom or the instruction that you might have gotten from other people, um, have you ever heard that, uh, I think it's Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for your life? When I was growing up, there were a lot of people that said that about my life. I've got great plans for you, Ryan. They had an idea. They had an agenda. They, they had a thing that I should do or a way that I would be successful. Thus saith whoever it was. So when you go back, you, you think about how kind of we're raised in America in our upbringing. So our purpose is to grow up, do good in school, right? Keep your nose clean. Uh, choose a career. Get a job. Find a spouse, raise a have babies, raise a family, right? And and if I then will buy a home, save for retirement, retire, I'm living the perfect kind of American dream, aren't I? Then success is doing well at whatever you do. Doing it the best of your ability. If you're in business, you make as much money as you can, you be the best at your job. And if you got family, you try to keep your kids from making those big decisions or big mistakes, maybe that you made when you were young. And you get them out of the house as quickly as possible. And then you hope that they meet someone and fall in love with that someone. And then they have babies, and then you got grandkids. And this is this is what success looks like. And I'm retired. So success, success is I've, I've got a, a nest egg settled back over here. And now that I'm retired, I can just ah, lean back, take it easy, enjoy life. Now, and this might describe some of our lives in this room. And if God blessed you with these things, please rejoice in those things. None of those things are in and of themselves bad things, are they? They're all good things. But... This, these things are not our God-given purpose. They're not. They're not our purpose. And they're not where we find fulfillment, are they? You ever tried to find fulfillment in things and people and stuff? Jobs? Seasons of life? Problem is, every season has an end, doesn't it? Every job ends. You won't have that job forever. Your children will let you down. I don't know about your grandchildren. I've heard good things. But the children tend to let you down. Our existence and mission are not bound up in what I do or what I've done. So sometimes we get to a certain age and then we begin to look back. It's funny how we look back sometimes. The older I get, the more I tend to look backward. It was my first sermon in January, or December 31st. I said, church, we need to look back at this past year. It's interesting how the longer my, the more years and birthday candles I have on my cake, the more I want to look back and just kind of think. Now, I know that I could still be some of your children, or better yet, maybe even grandchildren, but when I look back on my life at 40 years old, I go, what have I done? 
What has my life amounted to? Maybe you sit back and you go, well, what did my life mean? What, what did I accomplish? Well, and now who am I? My children are out of the house. I don't have a job that I spent all my time doing. Who am I? What value do I have? What am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? And I, this is why I believe that suicide is such a big plague in our country these days. Who do you think? If just kind of go um, younger, middle-aged, or older, what is the group that you think has the highest rate of suicide? Who would you say? Teenagers. All right, I got teenagers. Twenties. Anybody else? Thirties and forties. You want to know the answer? Senior citizens. Listen to this. Okay, so. According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, in 2021, there were 1.7 million suicide attempts. 1.7 million. There were 48,000. In 2021, there were 48,000 successful suicide attempts. 123 a day in, in our country. Did or 132. Did you know that almost 70% of that 132 per day, or that 48,000 in the year 2021, were, were senior white males? We got any of those? So they, uh, the, 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 the third highest group uh, of those who were committing suicide in 2021 was 25 to 34 years. And it was 19.48 per 100,000 people. So 19.48. The second group was 75 to 84 years old. And it was 19.56 per 100,000 people. With the highest rate among adults who were 85 years or older, and it was almost 23 per 100,000. I think that should cause us to say, why? And I believe this is why we need to teach that our mission, our purpose, our reason for existence is not in what I do, Primarily. If I were to walk up to you and introduce myself to you, say 20 years ago, whenever you were in the middle of your, the heyday of your workforce, and I were to walk up to you and say, hey, I'm Ryan, who are you? What makes you you? Say, well, I'm A, and most of us would say, I'm, my name is, and I am A, give my profession. It was interesting that after our name, most of us, our second um, identification is going to be our profession. What do we learn by that? I am what I do. So what happens when I stop doing that thing? Who am I? 
This is why, church, we need to be teaching people that God has created people on purpose for a purpose. And if we don't hit this fact, if we're not teaching senior adults and second graders that God has created them on purpose for a purpose and tell them what those purposes are, we're setting people up for failure. Moms are going to have kids and their identities wrapped up in their children and what happens when their children leave? How many marriages have you seen fail after the children leave the house? Because their, their relationship was bound up in their children, not, not themselves, but more specifically, not what God created them to be. So your life, my life, every life matters into eternity. And your purpose exists outside of your circumstances, of your jobs, of your children, of your spouses, of your finance. It starts when you're born. It's empowered when you're born again. And it ends when you're born again, again into heaven. That's when your purpose Stop. So tonight, out of this passage, I want to remind you of your twofold purpose. Are you with me? Twofold purpose. So let's look at it. Verse 13. He went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Verse 14. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles. What does the word apostles mean? Somebody said it. What does it mean? Sent out ones. Okay? He appointed 12 whom he called apostles or named apostles so that they, that's, that's the, this is what he's doing. He's calling people so that they, what? Here's the purpose statement. So if we're kind of taking this passage apart, we need to look at the why. And here's the why. So that they, what? What's the first thing? They might be with him. Anybody else's version say something different? You with me? Mark 3, 14. He appointed 12 so that they might do what? Be with him and might he might send them out to preach. Verse 15, and have authority to cast out demons. So, what was the first calling of the disciples' apostles? What's the first calling? To be with him. To be with him. And then the second one. And to be sent by him. To be with him and to be sent by him. Now, let me tell you. Look at it. That is your twofold purpose in life. You have two purposes in life. Primarily... Firstly, you, your life has been created that you might know God. Secondarily, that you might make him known. So steal that phrase. What is your purpose in life? To know him and to make him known. To know him and to make him known. God, his purpose for you from the day that you're born to the day that you die is to know him and to make him known. Heaven 
The only difference about heaven is that the second part of it doesn't any longer exist. So what's the point of heaven? To know him. So Jesus says in John 17, verse 3, he says it this way. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what eternal life is. We often think about eternal life as I can't wait to get my crown. Can't wait to see Aunt Susie and Uncle Timmy up in heaven. I can't, we're just going to be a big family reunion. It's going to be a party. We're going to have a good time. There's going to be great. The, the greens are all flat in heaven on the golf course. The fish are always biting. No, 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 folks. This is eternal life that you would know him. I've said this before to this church. I say it all the time. Heaven, the, the reward of the gospel is not some place. The reward of the gospel is not forgiveness, primarily. The reward of the gospel is that rebellious sinners are reconciled to God and we get God back. Isn't that good news? So Jesus goes up on the mountain, prays all night long, and he calls the disciples to him, and then he chooses twelve that they might be with him. I mean, think about this. This is just a ludicrous, crazy thought that your greatest purpose and privilege one could ever imagine is that the Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth in six days holds the universe in place as we speak by the word of his power, Hebrews 1, 3. He parted the Red Sea, made manna fall from heaven, shut the mountains of lions, many other miracles. That God who calmed the storm, died on the cross, and rose from the dead, that, that God is inviting you into a personal relationship with him where you get to know him and be with him. And that is your primary function as a Christian. This is why we were created. Think about the garden. Go all the way back. If you want to know the purpose of something, go back to the one who created the thing. Right? I like projects at my house. Projects don't always like me at my house. I like tools. Sometimes, have you ever used a tool the wrong way? To try to accomplish a purpose. It always doesn't work so well. you got to understand why it was created. And we too have to go back to the beginning. And understand why we were created. We were created. And, and this is what it says in Genesis chapter 2. That Adam and Eve were placed in a garden. And it, it says that they would walk with God in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve were naked before God and unashamed before God. That is the crux of why mankind was created. To know God and have intimate fellowship with Him. To be with Him. Can you imagine that? 
There's no sin. There's no busyness. They didn't have a, a big old job that they could do to get away from God. God was always with them in everything that they did in the garden. And they didn't have anything. When they stood before God every morning and every evening, when they stood before God, they had nothing to be ashamed of. Can you imagine that? That's why they were created. That's why you and I were created. And Jesus has called you from death to life to be his disciples that you might be with him. Notice the order. That they might be with him and, verse 14, he might send them out to preach and cast out demons. Now, let's, let's just be honest for a moment. Which one do we typically put first? God created you for a purpose. What's your purpose? No, what do we typically do? What do we say in, in our, we tend to say in our lives is our greatest purpose? Preach. We would take those and we would say, my, my, the most important thing here is that I go out and do something for God. And I, I think that's one of our downfalls is when we get this out of order. And we do. Pastor Ryan does. And I've got to ask myself the question, what makes me valuable to God? Is what you do, does that, is that what makes you valuable to God? Because we need to be real careful. If what I do is what makes me valuable to God, when I'm doing great, praise the Lord, what happens when I don't? Okay, how many of you, many of you are uh, empty nesters? You no longer have children in the house. Your children call you. Maybe your grandchildren call you. Which, which one would you prefer? I knew that answer. I'll send mine to your house in just a little bit. Um, I think most of us, I know my, I'm thinking about my daddy right now. My dad doesn't want me to call him and say, hey, you got any projects at your house? I'd love to come and do those projects and then I'll get out of your hair. You know what my daddy wants me to call him and say? What you doing tonight? Y'all want to come down for dinner? Can I come up? What you, why? We just want to be with you. Which one would you prefer? that your children or grandchildren say, hey, I want to do something for you, or I just want to come be with you, because I love you. Which one? Both. Fair enough. While you're at it, I've got some weeding to do down in the... But for so many of us, our being is dependent on our doing. And God has so ordered the Christian life that instead your doing is entirely dependent on your being with Jesus. 
Acts 4. They noticed that they were common and uneducated men, but that they had been with Jesus. Call me whatever you want to call me, but if you end the phrase with, but I know that they had been with Jesus, I'm all right with that. Your purpose, your purpose in life, if you want to get equipped for what God wants to do in your life, it doesn't start with a class. It starts with you going up on the mountain to Jesus and being with him. You want to be useful in his kingdom? It starts with being with him. Are you with me? Amen. Don't underestimate the value of just sitting with the king of glory. And we do. Because we're busy bodies. Because for my whole life, I've been taught that I am what I do. See, remember, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. I'm not valuable to God because of what I do. I'm valuable to God because Jesus Christ laid down his life that he might restore me to the Father. And I didn't deserve any of that. And it was not dependent on what I did. Thank the Lord. My doing for God, serving in the fields, is entirely dependent on my being with Him. E.M. Bounds said, Prayer does not just fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Another old dead theologian said, a preacher is no taller in the pulpit than he is on his knees in the closet. You want to be tall in the preaching? Be short on your knees in the closet. Be with him. Your fruitfulness in mission for Jesus hinges on your faithfulness in being with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Our fruitfulness in mission for Jesus hinges on our faithfulness in being with Jesus. We want our church to do something big. You know what God's saying? Come to me. Because you can't do it by yourself. Come to me. And I'll make you into the person that I want you to be. Come to me first. And I will equip you so that I can send you with purpose. Are you with me? So what does it mean to be with God? There was this girl in Franklin, North Carolina, named Elizabeth Cox. And I thought she was cute. She just thought I was the finest thing in the world. I had to beat her off with a stick, y'all. <laughs> Finally, I gave in and said, okay, I'll go out on a date with you. Please don't tell her I said any of these things, all right? Because none of it's true. 
Okay, we, we thought each other were cute, but we didn't love each other yet. But what happened over a period of time is that we probably spent an inordinate amount of time together. And over a period of time, we fell in love. So if I, if I could sum up the this idea of being with Jesus and then being sent out with Jesus, maybe I'd use the the commandments that Jesus said are the most important too. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You want to be useful, love, learn. Come to Jesus, be with Jesus, learn to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's what it means to be with him. Learn him. Love him. How do I do that? And I think all these things are kind of bound up in one another. I need to make a regular habit of being in the Word. It's the very Word of God. And, and it is the number one way that we get to know God. God does and can speak to us in other ways through specific people. He can speak to us through His Holy Spirit in our minds. But His most regular way of communicating with you and me is God's Word. And I can't know him apart from it. A relationship with his word is a relationship with him. He is the word. Amen. You, you want to you you be with him? It means getting in the Bible. Now, I promise you, you want to have a relationship with God, you want to be useful in this field, you will never have that relationship with him, that depth of relationship and that usefulness and fruitfulness apart from a relationship with His Word. Worship. What is worship? If you ask 100 people that, you're going to get 127 different answers. You're also probably going to get that thing that we do when we come to church on Sunday morning, which makes worship an event. And it's not. Worship is our response to the redemption that God accomplished through Jesus. Where does that happen? In your shower? On your knees by your couch? At the kitchen sink? In the car? Mowing your grass? It, it does happen in church, but we can sing songs without worshiping. Worship needs to be not just what I do when I get to church, but it is who I am. I want to become one who is enraptured with the person and work of God. And I promise you, if you're with Him long enough, you'll begin to worship Him. Identity. Searching the Word of God for what God says about me. I was with a sweet lady yesterday, 75 years old, member of our church. Her identity is, for 52 years has always been to do this thing. And now that thing might be taken away from her, and she says, I'm just lost. And I looked at her in her eye, and I said, I don't doubt that you have a relationship with Jesus, but what I question is whether you know what 
your identity in Christ is. We need to know who we are. What's God say about me? And I just began to go through them. That you're a child of God. That you're adopted. That you are His beloved son or daughter. That you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That you are justified. That you are sanctified through Christ. And I just began to go through. This is what God says about you. You are holy. You are a saint. We need to know who we are. And how does that happen? By being with them. And it's going to take every piece of you, your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength, to get to know Him. To love Him. Be with Him. Then we need to join Him in mission. What does it mean to be sent by Him? When I began to fall in love with Liz Perry, now Perry, I began to, maybe you spouses can do this, you, you can look at the other person and know what they're thinking. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not. I'm in trouble. I just heard. Just heard. Um, it's funny. It's funny how that happens. I, I know what she loves. I know how to push her buttons. I know what she's passionate about. And it, how, how, do I, how do I know those things? By spending time with that person. And when, I, when, I, when we spend time with the Lord, guess what we learn? We learn what He loves. What grieves Him. What He's most passionate about. And we want to be with Him in whatever He's doing. If that's what my Father's doing, I want to join in with what my Father's doing. If that's what my Father desires to see all across our world through uh, uh, each and every one of his people, then that's what I want to be about. And so my mind begins to shift because often we think about, okay, being sent with purpose means that I have to go on a mission trip or it's a community outreach. It's an event that's set aside on the second Sunday of every month. Mm -mm. It's a mindset. This is why I exist. This is why the Father created me. Isaiah 43, 7, he created you for his glory. What he said to Saul Paul in Acts chapter 9, I'm going to show him that he's a chosen instrument of mine to make my name known among the Gentiles and the children of Israel. And I'm going to show him how much he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. It's a mindset shift that we have to have, church family. Miss Phyllis says 500. I say amen, let it be so. But if we're going to do that, that means we're going to have to shift the way that we think about our being sent. Because I'm not just being sent to Panama or Senegal or uh, uh, when we were at Applewood. That's, that's not what it means to live sent. What it means to live sent is when I leave this building 
Every opportunity is an opportunity for me to tell people about the person that I'm absolutely smitten over. Everything. Liz just read a book this summer called Missional Motherhood. Your motherhood is not about raising good citizens of this world. It's about raising good citizens of the kingdom. Don't miss any opportunities. And I'll tell you, she doesn't. What opportunities are we missing? There are people that probably live within a hundred yards of each one of us. Have we told them about Jesus? Do they know about Jesus? Can I just have some confession time? Some of my neighbors don't. I hate, we need to fix that clock, Christopher. Sorry, brother. It says 7 o'clock and it ain't. Okay. This is what it means to be sent. He says two things. To be Send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So you have been sent to preach good news and do good things. Do good deeds. Preach good news. Do good deeds. Preach good news. Do good deeds. You need to live in such a way in your neighborhood, at your workplace, with your friends, with your family. You need to do good deeds, but you need to, those good deeds need to be accompanied with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be sent. Every opportunity is an opportunity. Okay. We are going to every month begin providing an opportunity for equipping. It's going to be the, the fourth Wednesday night of every month is going to be equip night. And we're going to provide an opportunity to give you examples and I guess experience every month that we're going to call deployments. That ministry is not going to happen on this campus for us. But it's going to happen somewhere else. And we're going to be on mission, everyone. Because we've got to shift the way that we think about it. Let me pray for us. Father, forgive me if I said anything that is not from you. But Lord, if there were any things, any words that were from you, please imprint them onto our souls. And may we be changed and transformed. May we see our worth in who I am in Christ in being with Him. May all of us have a new found desire to just delight in You, to treasure You, and to find sweet fellowship with You for them to be useful to You. And as we are with You, would you increase our fruitfulness? Or as Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Would you help us to do that? For your name's sake and your glory in Oconee County and the ends of the world. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say. Amen. Amen.
Bible reading plans, if you haven't gotten one of those, uh, right here on the front table. Sign-up sheet.